0: Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. Please follow in the reading of the Word of God. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power and ...through His Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly, beyond all we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, please teach us. As Paul prayed in chapter 1, open the eyes, open the hearts. That we may see the revelation, and we may see the purpose, and we may have this understanding to be the fiber of our souls. Father, only you can do this, and I pray that you would grant it to each of us today. In Christ's name, amen. I'm looking at a section that I call the fullness of God, being filled. The essence of this text is to start your engine. You've got the information. How do I engage it? Well, you need to turn the power source on. We've been looking over the first three chapters at the position of believers in the body of Christ, a.k.a. the church. In a cursory reading of, well, just chapter 1, really, had a long discussion on uh, Monday. I was with... uh, Hank Smith's pastor, Tim, who's a pastor out in Rama, We got stuck riding together for a couple of loads of calves. It was awesome. <laughs> it, it was totally awesome. One of the things that I know that he is struggling with, even in his congregation, is that people don't understand the body of Christ and the fact that that's the church. We'll talk about it, but you'll hear people say, well, I worship in my own way, I worship this way, I do this, or this is how I do mine, or this is whatever. And what you're basically telling me is that you do not understand the majesty of the church, nor do you understand the loftiness of the church. Peter's made this statement this way, that the church is called to be perfect and in glory. Whoa, Peter, man, we on a redneck stand or something? No, because the church possesses all things pertaining to life and godliness. Life is the temporal, godliness is the eternal. And when I think of the body of Christ, when I think of the church, I come up with my one favorite term, it is phantasmagorical. It is hard for me to wrap my head around it. And I think about the promises that have been given to the church. The fact that the church has become partakers of the divine nature. We've been learning that we who are the church of Jesus Christ are special and a glorious group of people. Someone, and I couldn't remember who it was because I'd written it down some time ago. And I don't, I have read and listened and talked. And, and I, but they made this statement and I thought this is really good. I don't believe it was John Calvin because of the terminology that was used. But uh, it could have been Linsky, could have been MacArthur, it could have been, I don't know. Might have been Matthew Henry. Huh? Could be, anyway. Quote, outside of the Trinity... The church is the hottest commodity in the universe. Unquote. But I'm not sure very many people look at it that way. And that's why Paul is even here praying that we would see it. We've already studied that the church is elevated above the angels, the angels look at us, the church, to see the things they can't comprehend. We have been purchased for God by the blood of Jesus. That is the church. We have been forgiven. We have been accepted. We have been reconciled. We have been redeemed. And it is all in Him. The church. We are children of God. We are forever His. We are His possession. We have been sealed by His Spirit. And we are protected by His divine love. We are empowered by His divine providence. And we have the energy of His divine power. That is the body of Christ. That is the church. We are royal priesthood. We are king priests. Every single one of us. We are taught. We are led, we are ruled, we are loved, we are made alive, and we are built up, and we are blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ. You see why I'm a little bit fond of the church? Chapter 3, verse 8. To me, the least, the very least of all the saints, this grace has been given to preach the Gentile. What do you preach in there, Paul? The unfathomable riches of Christ. The incomprehensible riches of Jesus Christ. We possess unsearchable riches, unexhaustible riches, unexhaustible wealth. We are rich because we are one with Jesus Christ. That is the church he who spoke existence into being has set his redeeming love on each and every one of us that's the church it is his family and in his family his pouring his riches of his grace the riches of his mercy the riches of his glory on each and every one of us chapter 2 of Ephesians verses 6 and 7 and he raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, we might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Note that phrase, brothers and sisters. It is past tense. I am not being seated in the heavenlies. I am seated in the heavenlies. Which makes us rich. Only to the qualifying wealth of God, that would be the limit of it. That is what the members of the church, the body of Christ, are. We've been looking at this. Okay, now, I will give the qualifier. I'm talking about the real church. Sitting in a church on Sunday doesn't make you any more a Christian than standing in my shop makes you a motorcycle. Okay? There is a difference. People who are united with Jesus Christ, that is the church. People who have lost themselves in Him, that is the church. Our resources are unlimited in Christ. We are told we are more than conquerors. And that's a totally awesome thought. You know, we're more than conquerors. I'm in Christ. We don't just conquer. We claim the spoils of the victory. Think about it. What group of people on the planet earth have the ability to deal with the eternal destination of another human being? There isn't any. We have this victory in life, in time, but also in life and eternity. You and I possess it now if you are in Christ. If you have lost yourself in Christ. Because you are a Christian, you are a part of God's eternal plan and in Ephesians 1 tells us that he designed and planned before he created. Hmm. Think about it for a second. Christians true Christians exist in an eternal purpose. If I exist in an eternal purpose, then what is the limit of my potential? That purpose will be fulfilled throughout eternity. And those that are to Christ fulfill that. Listen, brothers and sisters, what i am just shared with you, I just grabbed from my head over what we've been looking at in chapter 1 and chapter 2. We looked at this stuff in depth. A servant of God inside an earthen vessel. What a wonder. I think I shared with some of you who were here on Saturday the prayer I've been reading back through Luke I like Luke um, the reason I like Luke is that it's God it's almost like I can't decide whether God the Father was sarcastic or making a funny okay because he took a Gentile to write a book in the Bible <laughs> and that's just to me that's just sort of like <laughs> and that's why people ask me who wrote Hebrews I think Luke did why? Why wouldn't you have a Gentile write a letter to the Jews? <laughs> anyway, oh, don't hold me to that, okay? You is all right, all right. When I get to when I get to glory, I'll say, "Hey, who shot Kennedy and who wrote Hebrews?" <laughs> okay, and then I'll I'll have her done. All right. What a wonder! When I think about the miracle of creation. And then I think about the miracle of the new creation. And both are used for his glory. First three chapters of this book is what we possess. What is our position? Chapters four through six is how we live according to these riches. We're rich. We're rich. But before I can get into the living part of it, I need to get this thing started. I need to energize these resources that God has given me so that I can live four through six. You know, I listen to people and I listen to their quote unquote achievement. And all I know is over and over again, when I listen to people, I realize that what they are trying to do is find meaning in life. And yet, they are wasting meaningful time trying to find a meaning for life. And yet, you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, have a purpose that was created before creation. And therefore, we have meaning, purpose. I see these resources in the beginning of this book, and they still cause me to stagger. And I've been looking at them for some time. Daily. How are these resources that we have in this plan that was made before creation, how are they engaged toward my behavior? How I act, how I walk, how I make decisions. Listen, You guys got to know a little something about my motivation. Okay, my motivation comes along because the time that I spend with the Apostle Paul. Okay, I've told you this, and some of you think it's funny. You don't understand that I'm absolutely serious. I probably spend more time with the Apostle Paul than anybody. reading him over. And I did take a break this week with Luke. Okay. But if you really look at history, didn't they hang out together? (laughs) Okay. So, one of the things that I know about the Apostle Paul is I've been able to look at his heart. I've been able to look at his conscience through his writings in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul's desire is that every Christian be functioning and full power full power he, he doesn't want anyone pushing the car in the race okay he doesn't want anyone limping along in the path that God has placed us on he doesn't he doesn't want to see Christians out there with flat tires he wants full throttle Full throttle. There's a commercial on. I don't even know what it's about, but it's this lady drag racer, and she's right flying. She's flying one of them rocket cars. Okay, quarter mile, three hundred miles an hour in a quarter mile. Dude, doesn't that make your face kind of go back? I don't know what that is. I mean, three hundred miles an hour. I remember in Indianapolis, we were hitting the 200-mile-an-hour park, and I was in the middle watching the cars go by, and it was one, whoo, 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 whoo. You're like, I don't even know what car it was. And then they got this big old pole in the middle of the infield, why? So that they can tell you who's in first, because you can't tell. <laughs> they just all flying. And then I see this lady on this commercial, and she's got this jet engine dragster, and she gets up there, gets to the Christmas tree, it presets, and then she hits the button, and Boom! And I'm like, that's like a bullet. And then she puts this little parachute out at the back of it, and you're like, really? I would go with reverse thruster. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to end up in Poughkeepsie or something. Paul wants every Christian to be verse 20 of chapter 3 to do far more abundantly beyond what we could ask or think according to the power that works within us. He wants us to be effective. He wants us to do it in the power that is our resources that we already have. It's not a matter of you and I mastering Scripture. It's a matter of the Scriptures mastering us. Because once that happens, then you get in the jet car. And the truth of the matter is, you're just along for the ride. Because I think if you got in a jet dragster, you're just along for the ride. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. She got this little bit of steering wheel, and I thought, what's the point of that? I think you need Ailerons. So in this desire that the Apostle Paul has, what does he do? He gives you and I 14 through 21. 14 through 21. Uh, We're going to get into some stuff here and I hope that I can articulate it. 14 through 21 is known as a hina in the Greek. H-I-N-A. Hina. Okay? It's a series of linked purpose clauses. There is a purpose with a result. Okay, But the problem with it is, because it's a henna, you have to do step one, then you go to step two, then you go to step three, and there's five purpose clauses here. Okay, There's a progression. This isn't the best three out of five. The second one doesn't happen without the first one. The fifth one doesn't happen without the first four. That is what a henna is. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote it in this manner in the original language. In a henna. It's a progression that must be moved through. Henna is how the Apostle Paul, under the power of the Holy Spirit, shows it to us. He wants us to get to full throttle. Okay? I showed you these last week and the week before. The five of them, one is inner strength, two is the indwelling Christ, three is miraculous love, four is infinite fullness, and the fifth is the internal power. But you have to go through all of these to get to the internal power. Okay? We looked at this in the last two weeks the Spirit's power in 14 to 16, that He would grant you, verse 16, He would grant to you according to the riches of His glory. We looked at that. What is, the, what is the riches of God's glory? How much glory does He have? That's easy. All of it, right? To the riches of His glory. That you'd be strengthened, and it literally means might, with power. Through His Spirit in the inner man. Okay, but you see what he got to do there? He would grant it to you. Okay, you just don't go down to the Holy Spirit grocery store and get you a bucket of it. He grants it to you. In the inner man. In the inner man. See, Paul prays, see, he knows that every believer possesses the Holy Spirit. Okay? Remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Your body is the temple of what? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Every Christian possesses the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, when the Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Okay, so the Apostle Paul already has got this nailed down, that if you're a believer, then you have the energy source. Every believer has the resources, because every believer has the Spirit of the living God. Okay, so his prayer is that you be strengthened with might, strengthened with power, by the indwelling Spirit in the inner man. Okay? Now remember what I said. This is written as a henna. Okay? It's a progression. Now then, we must remember something. Every one of us in this room, we spend a lot of time on the outer man alright I challenged you a couple of weeks ago well when it was snowed see how much time you spend on the outer man on Monday and spend that equal amount of time on the inner man on Tuesday alright and I got some people complained and when they did I said you're complaining (laughs) okay that's my pastoral skills okay now listen, I, I know we have to go to work and, and do stuff like that. That's not what I'm talking about. But when you go to work, don't you get a break? 15-minute break or whatever? Half hour for lunch, hour for lunch, whatever you get for lunch. You get up in the morning, and you got to take your shower, you got to eat your breakfast and all the rest of it. How much time are you working on the inner outer man? Take the same amount of time, put it on the inner man. Okay? Strengthen the inner man. Work on that. Because you have the resources. You have the spirit, all right. Paul's prayer here is that we would spend more time concentrating on the inner man. The inner man be strengthened as the apostle Paul. Now, the people say, well, yeah. Now, listen, I've already gone through this in Colossians, all right? In Colossians, it says, I want the word of God to to richly dwell you. Okay? That's inner man stuff. All right? And I want you to think about this for a second. You think about the things you do to prepare for your day, to get your outer man ready. Right? Take that same amount of time, and let the Word of God richly dwell you. You know how you do that? <laughs> Read it. Read it. Listen, if He can make it burn in my soul, and I'm a moron, then I know He can do it with you guys. You just have to read it. Listen, you know what's really cool about it? I have the author indwelling me. So you read it. Okay? And you know how I can tell when it's effective? Philippians 4. Okay? Those who have the word richly dwelling them. They have been in the power of the spirit strengthened on the inner man. Guess what? They are anxious for nothing. Everything by prayer and supplication have made their requests known to God. The God of peace. They experience the God of peace. And he speaks of the peace of God. Which comes from God. And he will guard your heart and Mind. So if you're anxious, you know what you're telling everybody? Inner man ain't that strong. A non worrying mind. Hmm. An unanxious spirit. The only way you ever get that accomplished is with a strong inner man. That is the Spirit-controlled life. As you yield to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit, you are being filled richly by the Word of God. Fill your heart. And your mind with the word. And when you fill your heart and your mind with the word, the Holy Spirit inside of the believer brings that word back to conscious thought. And it directs us into obedience when you are confronted by temptation. Now, I know none of you guys are ever confronted by temptation, but if one shows up, if I have the word, it comes to my frontal lobe. That's where my conscience is. That's where I make my decisions. And it says, whoa, man. Because I've been into some situations and times in the past that I can remember. And I don't even know what was going on. But I was just flat out uncomfortable. And that was just enough for me to say, nope. Why? I don't know why. I don't know what to happen. I'm just not even going to go here because it's bugging me. okay that's step one that's step one let me give you an illustration of this years and years and years ago before we ever moved up here I don't know how long we've been up here we were downtown I remember people would ask me about uh, rock and roll music I said that was back I'm talking about the real rock and roll music Patti LaBelle is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame really? Michael Jackson is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame how did that happen? I thought he was the king of, hmm, there's a big difference in case you didn't know. Okay. And I used to talk about rock and roll because I grew up when it was really good. And some of the stuff that I hear now and I didn't get a break. I, no, I don't, I don't want to hear that. Okay. I grew up with the good, but I can also tell you that a lot of rock and roll music was before Christ. And I was in places that I shouldn't have been. I mean, I can tell you, I've seen Led Zeppelin several times. I have seen Grateful Dead more times than I want to think about. Jethro Tull, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, Bob Dylan. You go down the list, I've seen a lot of these people. okay. And when I was there seeing them, I was not behaving. I didn't go to see these people to behave. So when I became a Christian, rock and roll music scared me because it made my old pea brain go back to, you were doing what? Okay? So it made me nervous. As I have let the Word of God dwell in me richly more and more and more and more and more and more, every time I hear rock and roll music, you know what? It doesn't bother me. People will come into my office and they say, well, you're listening to a secular rock and roll station. I said, yeah. They said, why? I said, it's the only one I can get. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to sit there and listen to static, okay? And and talk radio every once in a while makes you start talking to yourself. And so I don't like doing that either. So that's usually what I listen to, okay? But you know what? (laughs) At least with rock and roll music, I know what the aspect behind it is. With some of the Christian stuff now, it'd play on any rock and roll station. And that bothers me more. So I don't listen to it. All right? But it's taken me years of allowing the Word to infiltrate my soul so that whenever I get this goofy thought that, well, I think I remember I was at Madison Square Garden and they were doing the wall, so what, Terry? Is what God tried to make you sick of your vomit, so you would come unto Him. So it isn't that deal. That is the strengthening of the inner man. That's how it happens. Listen, it takes time. I have been reading my Bible every day now for thirty-five years. Okay, you you'd, be, you'd hope after thirty-five years something would have stuck in there. And there has been some things. That is step one. Strengthening in the inner man. There's times that I come into a situation, I don't even know what's going on, but I know something by the Holy Spirit in me with His Word is saying, stay away, stay out of that. And so I do. You yield to the Word. You let the Word master you. Okay? That is when you start seeing the contrast between the outer man and the inner man. Okay? The inner man is simply decisions. That's where your decisions are. And every one of them, you know what? You will begin as the Word dwells in you richly. Every one of them, you will turn to the Spirit of God. Your thoughts are about him. And that's the only way when the word of God dwells in you richly. Not what you think God is, but what does his word say God is. All right. Which brings me to step two. We're just going to get into this today. Where there is a strong inner man. note that that's the henna. Okay. Where there is a strong inner man, there is a result. Okay? When you are strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man so that the result that will happen is that Christ will dwell. Okay? In your heart by faith With that purpose. All right. Stated here. The indwelling Christ. The inner strength. Leads to the indwelling of Christ. Now I don't know about you. But theologically. When I first read this. Some time ago. Does it seem odd to you? Theologically. Does that seem odd to you? That I'm going to be strengthened in the inner man by the Holy Spirit so Christ can dwell in me. To me, it seems backwards. I am positive, as I have read my Bible, that it is Christ is the one who gives the Spirit. Okay? And if I'm not mistaken, in chapter 1, and in chapter 2, and in chapter 3 of the letter to the Ephesians, it is Christ in us. Seems really clear in those three chapters. In chapter 6 of the Gospel of Romans, it says, I am united with Christ, inseparable. So, do you see why I think? Well, it seems backwards. Alright? Well, let me see if I can clear it up for you. One thing, this text is not dealing with salvation. Okay? It's dealing with strengthening, the fullness of God in the believer. Alright? Secondly... I've shared with you before that if you take the English language, it's like chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. Okay. If you take the Greek language, it's like Baskin Robbins 33 flavors. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I, I audited a Greek class one year of Greek, and, you know, the guy says, What do you think? I said, I know why that sucker's a dead language. No, but it, it, it is, it is, it is a very complex language. Okay. The word that you see there in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell. Okay. The word in the original language is kato Katokarasad. Kato okay. If you take it into the verb form, it is katakateri. Okay. Kata, and it's okari in the verb form. Okay, okeri is the word that we get the side from. Okay, it's to be at home. All right, kata means down. So you know what the you know what that means to me? The Bible was written by a bunch of southerners down home. All right, said, yeah, yeah, that old boy from Georgia, wasn't he? The Apostle Paul. Okay? All right, well, that's not the way the Greek works. You put a preposition in front of a verb, it intensifies the verb. All right? So, kata karaside is to be really at home, to be settled at home, to be absolutely comfortable at home. Got it? That is what the word "dwell" in this text means. Think about what he just said. One be strengthened with might in the inner man so that Jesus Christ will be completely comfortable at home. When you have this inner strength granted to you by God, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's in your inner man. You're really walking. You're really, really walking in the Spirit. You are Spirit-controlled. Spirit-engaged. What happens? Christ is really going to be at home in your heart everybody say amen Amen. okay now try this one how many Christians have Christ dwelling but he's not comfortable Eh? Let me ask you this. Have you ever had times in your life when you have caused discomfort to Christ? Hmm. Now you know why. The word of Christ... Was not dwelling in you richly. I mean, you, many of you were with us, we were together when we went through 1 Corinthians. Uh, you suppose Christ was comfortable in Corinth? They were boasting about a man having his father's wife. Okay? And Paul says, even the lost people don't boast about that. stupid. I'm paraphrasing. Okay. Right? I mean, I don't care. That's creepy. They were having people committing adulterous and pornographic acts in the name of grace. And you know what Paul said? You're joining Christ to a harlot. How comfortable do you suppose he was? So I'm just going to close with this thought. We'll get more into this in the weeks to come. You've got to please remember it's a henna. You have to do step one before you can do step two, before you can do step three, before you can do step four. Okay. Got it. The inner man is granted strength by God through the spirit indwelling the believer if the person is a believer, there should be a hunger for the word. And it should be something that we understand we need to do every day. And sometimes, often, in a day. Man does not live by bread alone, but that comes from the mouth of God. We all know that. We've all heard that. And yet, how many of us come on Sunday morning and get a protein drink and then we fast all week? And listen, and I'm not talking about reading books about the Bible. Like, there's some really good stuff out there. I don't, I'm don't. i not a downplay of that. But the Word of God breathes Scripture is this book. And I should be reading it. Systematically. Just get after it. And I I shared with... Start with a little one. Start with Philemon. Do Jude. 2nd, 3rd John. So you start getting used to reading reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it. And the Holy Spirit, He is in there and He's taking that and He starts shaping your conscience. Why? So that you won't make Jesus uncomfortable. I can sum this one up as about as simple a terms as, as any theologian. Sin makes Jesus uncomfortable. Please understand. It is your sin. Okay. You don't have to look around and say, Well, that person's sin is making Jesus uncomfortable. That ain't the way it works. That ain't the way it works. I had this discussion this morning. It ain't our job to point out everybody's sin. It is our job to make sure our inner man is strengthened so that our sin doesn't make Jesus uncomfortable. We don't want... Listen, if Jesus is uncomfortable in you, guess what? That quenches the spirit. That grieves the spirit. And you know what that means? You just shut off the fuel supply to your race car. Your resources are shut off. Listen, I'm not saying you're losing your salvation. But you are useless. You're a high-performance machine that you are pushing down the racetrack. And everybody can look at you. (laughs) They're pushing hers. I want that 300-mile-an-hour thing. Shazam! Just hit that button and that thing and you're done Whoa! did you see that see that make my eyes water apostle Paul wants that for every believer and how many believers I wonder they've read their bible they know what it says I've been in studies I've been in Sunday school I've been in this church I've attended this I've listened to this person on the radio I've seen this person on TV I've done all these things. And you know what? Jesus is uncomfortable in them as he was in the church in Corinth because they haven't engaged. And so when you have Christ indwelling you, but he is not comfortable, then you shut off the resources. You know what you just said? Foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? What you have begun in the Spirit, you are now perfecting in the flesh. How many times have I seen that? Okay. We'll get d- d- get deeper into this in the weeks to come. But you got to remember, H-I-N-A. It's a henna. It's written in a manner that the apostle Paul purposely said, "You have got to do this in order." Or it ain't gonna work. Let's pray, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Father, that uh, you have given us strength in the inner man in the person of your Spirit. I pray now that Castle Rock Baptist Church, you would grant each of us that power. That'd be divine power, to know that Jesus Christ can dwelling us comfortably, be at home. Wow. What an awesome God. Thank you, my king. In Christ's name. Amen.